Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Cullen, Deirdre of the Sorrows, Grawn, New Whale. From giants right down to fairies, of both the trooping and solitary, and those who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, the Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore or mythology. We retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, the culture and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olihan and I am your host and your Fireside bard. Welcome to episode number 45 of Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. We are coming to you, as always, from the beautiful surroundings of the Headstuff Podcast Network studios here in Dublin. But we are coming to you at a very different time. Usually I record this podcast on a Monday morning, always in the morning, but here for the first time ever. I am recording it in the evening at the witching hour when it is usually when a fireside would actually be lit. As it used to be in the old days, the story was that it was bad luck to tell a story during the daytime. You were only permitted to tell stories at night. Unless, of course, you were fishing. That was the one exception to the story. So it feels quite nice and appropriate to be recording this story at night time. There is a very special reason why I am recording at night. Because very, very strange week. Apologies, this episode is coming out a little bit late. For those of you who are waiting every Wednesday for your dose of folklore goodness. Basically, in the last week, I got some... A bit, great bit of good news in that I was cast in the Christmas show at the Gate Theatre here in Dublin in their, their upcoming production of A Christmas Carol. I'm playing Scrooge's nephew, Fred. It is an incredible show. It's got an incredible cast and crew. It is my first time ever in the Gate Theatre. Those listening outside Ireland, the Gate is, the gate is one of the most famous theatres it's one of the certainly one of the most famous theaters in the country, but in one of the most famous theaters in the world. So the likes of Orson Welles and Michael Gambon, James Mason, incredible actors, all began their careers. It is very much Dublin's classical theater, and is considered the home of European and American theater in Ireland, and indeed many. Irish successes, they have a huge, they have always had a huge association with Samuel Beckett, among many other incredible Irish writers. There's a huge amount of history, and it's been a theatre I've wanted to perform in basically since I became, since I became an actor, since I moved up to Dublin. And it is finally a reality out of nowhere, which is incredible. You go, you go and you do auditions all the time, and... I've travelled, those who have listened to this podcast know I've travelled an awful lot for my work, uh, travelled to Germany and America and further afield, and this is this will be the biggest thing I've ever done in Ireland, and I'm so excited for that. But the embers of the fireside must continue burning, so for the next few weeks I'll be recording in the evening times, which would be lovely as well. It'll be nice to, it'll bring its own set of challenges, but rather than having to 
rub the sleep out of my eyes and warm up my voice in the mornings. It'll be about keeping a voice throughout the day. But yes, anyone in Ireland over the Christmas period, A Christmas Carol is running at the Gate Theatre from the 15th of November to the 18th of January. A lovely long run. It's only day three of rehearsals and I'm already so, so incredibly excited to show audiences what we have. And I've no doubt that I will tie the show in with this podcast as well as we approach the Christmas season. A Christmas Carol, of course, being one of the great... um, more contemporary ghost stories and there's a huge amount of folklore involved in Dickens classic Christmas tale and I plan on doing a great bit of research into where a lot of the the ghostly natures and ideas in this masterpiece of a novel came from it's an incredible adaptation that we're doing as well by the great uh, great writer named Jack Thorne and it's its Irish premiere as well so, very great news, but that's, if you've never listened to this podcast before, you're probably like, what is he talking about? If this is your very first time listening, thank you so much for checking this out. And if you're a returning listener, thank you for your continued support. Please do continue to follow us on Instagram at Fireside Bard, all one word. It's the best place to find updates about the podcast and about our live shows. We're performing in the Dublin Podcast Festival, the last minute my last minute casting in Christmas Carol uh, has meant that we may have to do a date change for the podcast festival. So please bear with us for that. I am really, really hoping that we can still do the podcast festival um, as I've been planning it for a great while. And this podcast is very much my baby and what I, when I put a huge amount of work into and we're dying to do the Dublin podcast festival and to take this show to do our second live show and to keep them going. But I will keep you updated on the podcast and keep you updated on Instagram as well as I know more but I'm going to get right down to the story we're back with our folk tales we had a double bill of mythology last two weeks with the madness of King Sweeney parts one and two to finish off the historical cycle of Irish mythology and now we are in as we are in October we are in the most folklore month of all uh, as we approach Halloween and the Feast of Samhain we are going to do a few spooky tales and I couldn't think of anything better to start that kind of idea with than a character from Irish folklore that has got no love on this podcast so far because I started it post Halloween last year and he was worth saving until Halloween this year and he is the Puka he is one of the most famous Irish spirits, fairies, slash demons, whatever you want to call them, in Irish folklore. He is, uh, to a more contemporary Irish audience, certainly puka is the most common uh, Irish language phrase for a ghost. Uh, and indeed, there is the puka festival on in Ireland at the moment, in Dublin certainly celebrating everything ghostly and everything to do with Halloween and so that was another reason I thought we might as well start off with the puka and this is a fantastic story I found out and I've introduced enough and gone on enough that I'll let the story speak for itself and we'll chat a bit more afterwards. This is the tale of the piper and the puka on Fireside. The piper and the puka Once upon a time in the village of Dunmore in North County Galway, there lived a young man who was considered by the locals to be half a fool. Like so many Galwegians, he had an incredible love for music, 
and a great desire to play it. He had taken up an old set of illum pipes he found in the closet of his father's cottage, but either through laziness or just plain lack of musical talent, the aspiring piper was only ever able to play one tune, the Black Rogue Jig. Spending as long as he did learning this one tune, the piper could play it exceptionally well. So well, in fact, that even though he couldn't even play a second tune after, people used to pay him money and buy him pints just to hear the Black Rogue. He was like a broken jukebox at the back corner of a pub. But one fateful evening, near the Feast of Samhain, as the air got crisp and the night dark, the young piper was stumbling home along the road to Dunmore. He had just come from a party at which there had been singing and dancing and drinking and fighting. Half cut and half a fool, the young man stumbled along with his pipe slung over his shoulder, treating them more like a bag of spuds than a musical instrument. When he got to the last bridge before his mother's cottage, the piper decided to sit on the bridge in the brisk cold air and attempt to sober up. So he sat there on the bridge, with his legs hanging over the rushing water below, and he pulled the pipes over his shoulder and he began to once again play the only jig he knew. But as the piper was about to repeat the A section of the Black Rogue, who should appear behind him but the Puka? The Puka is well and truly one of the most mysterious, mischievous, and dangerous spirits in the Celtic pantheon. Unlike a lot of fairies who usually just have it in for us mortals, depending on the day, the Puka can be benevolent or malevolent. He can make your dreams come true or ruin your life forever. Most dangerous of all, the puka is a shapeshifter. He can be a dog, cat, hare, horse, goat. He can even appear in human form, but not quite human, as he'll always have thick black or white hair and some defining wild animal appendage like long ears or a tail. He appears like nothing else imaginable. The puka is the puka. And as the piper sat playing his tune, the puka crept up behind him and softly cried. Boo! The piper let out a cry and fell from the wall to the river below, but the puka swept down and the piper landed on his back. The puka was mostly in horse form, but with a thick black mane and long horns such as you'd find on an antelope. He said to the trembling piper, Hold on to my horns there, there's a good lad. You don't want to be fallen off. You'd be inclined to break your pipes. And your neck. The piper was drunk enough to find some misplaced courage. Let me down, you wicked spirit. My mother's expecting me, and I brought her some snuff. She does love her snuff. Never mind your fat old mother, cried the puka. Just hang on and don't drop those pipes. And the puka... Running on the air like it was soft earth began to climb higher and higher into the sky. Spirit, can you at least tell me where you're flying me off to? I'm not just a spirit, young piper. I'm the puka. And the banshee is throwing a gaff party. Everyone has to bring something, food or drink. But I decided I'd bring along some after-dinner entertainment. Now play me on Shan Van Vucht. The piper worried that when the puka found out he could only play one tune, he would let him fall to his death. Nevertheless, he didn't really have much choice. I don't know how to play that one. Not to worry. You just start to play. You'll surprise yourself. 
Dubious but obedient, the mortal took up his pipes and miraculously began to play Shan van Vucht as if he had been playing it all his life. What did I tell you? said the Puka. I'm sorry for doubting you, or me, or your power over me, said the piper, beginning to laugh. Uh, can I ask, though, as I've always wondered, uh, where does the Banshee live? At the moment, she's living on the summit of Croke Patrick. There's a lovely pint of Guinness at the top of Croke Patrick. The piper laughed some more. No way, you'll be saving me a trip so. Father Martin told me to climb Croke Patrick for robbing his white gander last Christmas. I do love messing with the clergy, said the puka, and the half-horse, half-goat, half-whatever-else spirit continued to climb through the sky. When the piper and the puka reached Croke Patrick's reek, the spirit stamped his foot three times, and from the earthy rock emerged a stone doorway. When it was complete, the puka walked through and the piper followed. And instead of walking straight through to the other side of the mountain, the two travellers had entered into a grand home with a roaring fire, oil paintings adorning the walls, and a gold table centrepiece, every inch of which was lavished with food. All around the table sat a gaggle of Nigalica, or Irish witches. When the new arrivals were spotted, one of them stood up and said, Ah, on Pook and a sound, you are most welcome to all Chirot, God of Mahagwiv Nigalica. I have brought with me the greatest piper in Ireland, said the Pook. Excellent, we look forward to hearing some music, but first we eat. The puka and the piper sat down to the most hearty meal either had ever eaten. And when they had finished, one of the witches rang a bell, and the piper got the biggest surprise of all when in walked a white gander. I know you, said the piper. You're the goose I stole off Father Martin. I ate you every piece with my mother. You seem far more surprised at the appearance of a resurrected goose than you have by anything else you have seen tonight, said the puka. To be honest, I am, replied the piper. But then came the time to play, and the piper did play, and my God, how he played. Every tune they called out for, he could play immediately through the power of the puka. Sets and sets of jigs and reels and polkas and hornpipes, the kesh, the mason's apron, tore them the love. He even got to play the black rogue. When the piper was done, it was agreed that he had made the evening. The puka asked all of the witches to give the young man his due, and each one of them gave him a gold piece, enough to make him as rich as a lord. And just before the two left Croke Patrick, the white gander followed the piper out and gave him a present of a brand new set of illin pipes. Thank you so much, said the piper. Oh, replied the goose. The puka carried the piper all the way back to Dunmore and left him off at the very little bridge he had first spooked him on. His parting words were, Now you have two things you never had before, Kjal Agus Kjol, sense and music. And the spirit disappeared. The young piper, carrying his gold and new pipes, trundled up to his mother's front door and began to bang loudly upon it. Let me in. I'm as rich as a lord, and I'm the greatest piper in all of Ireland. You're drunk, said his mother. I am not, 
he said, handing her the pile of gold. Wait till I show you. And he took out his pipes and began to play. But unlike the incredible music he had been playing all night, the sound coming from the instrument now sounded more like when the piper had botched up slaughtering the gander. It woke up every house in Dunmore. Will you shut those cats up? was the cry from every home. The piper was sure it was just the lateness of the hour and the fatigue that was why he could not play as he could before. But after a much-needed night's sleep, the piper found he could still not play any tune. Except, of course, the Black Rogue. To make matters worse, the brand new set of pipes had rotted into an old tree branch, and the gold pieces had turned into dead leaves. Had he imagined it all? Was he going mad? No, he decided. So he went to the priest, Father Martin, and told him his tale. Get out of here, you thief, said the priest. I loved that goose. I wasn't even going to eat it. The priest didn't believe him. His mother didn't believe him. No one believed the young piper. And the puka never reappeared. But the young man would not give up. He became determined to prove everyone wrong. So he sat at his old pipes every hour of every day until he could play every single tune he had played that night on Croke Patrick. And he did indeed become the greatest piper in Ireland and earned a fortune off his own back. The puka had given him sense and music after all, and no one ever called him half a fool ever again. The end. And that is the tale of the puka and the piper, or the piker, or the piper and the puka, on Fireside. How about that? That was a very recently discovered tune or tale, and I absolutely adore it. I knew I wanted to do a tale about the puka. And I knew there was a few tales about the puka in the various different folklore books I had. Some of them were quite long and a bit meandering. He's such a fascinating character, obviously, especially being a shapeshifter. There's so much you can do with the shapeshifter, like Manon and MacLear and Mungon and all. But here we have the we have the OG of the puka, and this was the best one that I found. It just really jumped out. It's it's so fully formed. It's it's tight. There's not a bit of air in it. Everything makes sense, leads to it. It works really nicely as a beginning, middle and end. Nice little twist at the end where where he, through mortal means, lives up or to prove himself that he can play that music. So I love that kind of nature of it was real, it did happen, but no one would believe him and it was taken away from him, so he proved it right. So really, the puka just gave him the the talent and the and the belief that he could become this piper through his own means, and he does. It's a lovely ending, especially always when there's fairies involved, when fairies, especially when as mischief, mischievous as the puka, are looking kindly on on humanity and on this young piper. This has been the first time a piper has really been the centrepiece of a story since all the way back in episode three, the wonderful tune, still one of my all-time favourite stories I've ever done on this podcast. And it very much seems like you could almost tie these two together. It seems like this young piper uh, in this story, that he could almost become the old man at the beginning of the story of the wonderful tune that teaches the wonderful tune to the blind piper as the centerpiece of that story. Um, 
as a as a kind of a side plug or a, what is the upselling of, of the uh, to upsell the other head stuff podcasts one of my favorite podcasts on this network that I'm lucky I get to share this head stuff network with so many great podcasts and one of my very favorites and one of my original one of my inspirations when I was um, developing this podcast myself is uh, Tony Catwell and Mark Jago's podcast, Sexy Beasts. I got a plug when I was doing my first live show off them, which was a great, huge buzz. But they they did last year, they did a great episode on the puka, analysing it as uh, analysing more as a creature and its characteristics rather than any particular stories involving it. But really check it out if you're more, if you're interested in learning more about this great sprightly, demonic, benevolent, malevolent figure. Uh, absolutely check out the sexy beast episode on the puka. Yeah, the puka is one of those ones. That is, it it spreads quite far and wide. Funnily enough, after doing the madness of King Sweeney last week and reading an extract from At Swim Two Birds by Flann O'Brien, of which. As I was saying, uh, Sweeney is one of the main characters. Another main character in uh, in At Swim Two Birds is known as the Puka McFellamy. And uh, now he isn't quite the Puka here. It's more just a nod in the name. But it's funny that maybe that was another reason why I wanted to do it immediately after Madness of King Sweeney. But it just seemed like a really lovely, not scary, but looks really just spooky and eerie Halloween. It's a great, it's a great happy nice Halloween tune, tale, keep calling them tale, tales and tunes, they're very similar, and obviously there's a lot of tunes being played in this, I, my great passion and hobby of the last couple of years has been a very late, uh, a very late discovery and adoration of traditional Irish music, and starting to learn how to play different instruments and different tunes, and it was a lot of fun to be able to just for my own sake, just drop in a couple of the tunes I've been learning and that I love in the writing of this story. Uh, I, I'd never heard of the Black Rogue, but it's it's a real tune, and there's plenty of versions you can find of it online. Check it out; it's a it's a really nice one. If I was to ever do this story alive, I'd definitely incorporate the playing of that tune onto either the whistle or or the mandolin or guitar or something. It'd be great. Um, and that's that's very much what we're doing at the moment in the development of a proper stage stage show, which will be a mix of the storytelling and the music, and it's it's very exciting. It's a great. It's a very exciting time here at Fireside Towers, as they say. Uh, one of the probably one of and this will show you, you know how far back you are going. Is um, it this is I, I think they think this is quite hard to prove, but that the Puka is where that is. I noticed that in the recording. I record this in a mic that has the uh, pop shield on it because, particularly Irish people, we have very explosive pops. Those who were listening to this podcast while I was touring around America and I was recording into my own home recording equipment, my Zoom and my SM58s, will know that I used. Uh, I used to talk into a pair of tights on a clothes hanger to avoid those explosive pops. But they were very hard to <laughs> avoid in this episode when it is titled The Puka and The Piper. The Piper isn't actually as hard. Piper, I'm spilling it down with them. But Puka, Puka is a particularly explosive word. That's great, it's almost onomatopoeic, like 
you imagine it straight away. It sounds like a fun word, but just a little bit dangerous as well. But the puka is thought to be where the inspiration for the character of Puck in Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream came from. Again, it's one of those things very difficult to prove, but also hard to deny. For those unfamiliar, the character of Puck is a fairy character in that very mischievous uh, fecks around with the mortals, loves messing with them, is subservient to these godlike characters, Oberon and uh, T- Titania, the king and queen of the fairies, and incidentally does turn, is responsible for turning one of the mortals into giving him a donkey's ears and in some versions there's an entire donkey's head and and so like, that seems a very strong coincidence considering the puka so often fears in the form of horses and goats and all sorts of animals that this fairy named Puck would turn a mortal into an ass-like creature. But that shows like how far back you're going and further and the, the influence of of the puka. I don't know... I don't know how it um, became just the standard Irish definition for the word ghost, because especially here in the story, he is quite different to a ghost, you know? In the same way, I suppose, the banshee would be considered a ghost when they are more a fairy again. They they summon ghosts and they guide spirits to the other world, but and they are ghostly for sure, but uh, they are not ghosts themselves. Which is interesting. This is all stuff I'm learning as much as you frequently say. But but usually, but only a couple of episodes ahead of the listener, as this is one of the main points of this podcast was me to learn all of this myself because I had the interest in learning more of it. But speaking of the banshee, the hoster of this gaff party on the top of Croke Patrick, it was also great. I always love when I do stories that get to be set in parts of Ireland that I've been because a lot of them are set in these very small rural villages, some of which don't even exist anymore. And you're trying to find, you know, you're trying to find them on maps and find out where they are and everything. And not that I've been in Dunmore in County Galway, which is still a village in North County Galway, but I have been to Croke Patrick. I have climbed Croke Patrick barefoot when I was 16 years old with my school year. We all went on a pilgrimage to Croke Patrick which is one of the advantages or disadvantages depending on your persuasion of going to a Catholic school in Ireland is that you go on a trip to Croke Patrick I loved it though uh, even not being not being uh, practiced, practicing Catholic anymore I still adored climbing Croke Patrick and was delighted I did it how I did it um, climbing it barefoot because you just feel like a hobbit you feel like you're climbing Mount Doom that really is what it feels like but there is this, I don't know what you call it, a shack kind of sh- a stone building at the very top of Croke Patrick. I'm not sure what it is. I don't know if it is a chapel or if it's just a toilet. I don't remember. It was over 10 years ago that I climbed it. But um, Croke Patrick is in the county of Mayo rather than Galway, where Dunmore is in this story. And I spoke before about the County of Mayo and about my friends Dara and Michal Healy. Dara, who played at the very first Fireside Sessions uh, back in August. Uh, two of the traditional Irish music players I was playing with in America when I was on tour there. Uh, two great lads, two of my great friends and two of the best musicians of any of any discipline that I know. But uh, Michal was telling me that uh, 
there is this legend in Castle Byron in Mayo where he's from. I'm not sure if this is just among him or among all of them. There's this rumour that there is a great pint of Guinness at the top of Croke Patrick. And that as you're walking back down it and you have pilgrims who are climbing up on their barefoot and they've got their sticks and they're trying to atone for their sins or just climbing it for the crack or to be, feel closer to Jesus. And you just say to them on the way back, keep going, lads, there's a lovely pint of Guinness at the top. There isn't, but imagine there was. Imagine there was a little she-bean just at the top of Croke Patrick. I don't know. It'd be hard enough now getting the, getting the Guinness delivered up there. You'd have to get it air dropped in or something. But what a world that would be, huh? Can you imagine the harmony of that? Okay, I'm going to wrap it up now because it is very late. It is the witching air. It's the latest I've ever recorded this podcast. But I look forward to a few more evening sessions as I'm in rehearsals for A Christmas Carol. I'm back in in the morning with them. Um, and we're going to get ahead of ourselves now. But speaking of the Banshee, the Banshee may be our next tale. It's going to be another few classic ghost stories and we might do a Halloween special episode as it's such a great opportunity it's such a lovely time for folklore especially in this country it's all there and everyone's celebrating it and it's great so it's good we've got an exciting few weeks ahead of us uh, before we delve into the Ulster cycle the final cycle of Irish mythology if you can believe it I was thinking as well today, the puka is one of the last characters that is mentioned in the fireside theme that has yet to be have a story about. And I definitely have to make sure that every single character and title and everything that is in that theme gets its own episode they were worthy because that has been the theme song since the very first episode so if I move on from Irish mythology and folklore and haven't done a story about such a body or such a body that isn't right so the puka is one of the last spirits and I haven't forgotten about the last couple as well we're going to dive into the Ulster cycle of Cúchulainn and Queen Maeve and the story of the Tawn, the big ones. That's what we've got ahead of us as the finale of this first, this incredible first year of Fireside as we approach our final 50, as we approach 52 episodes, as we approach a full year of this podcast. I can't wait to keep going on this journey with you. If it's your first episode listening, thank you so much. I hope we hear from you again. If you're a continued listener, thank you so much as always. Continue to follow us at Fireside Bard on Instagram. Uh, if you really like, you can support us on patreon.com forward slash Fireside Bard. We will keep you updated on all movements with the Dublin Podcast Festival and the development of our new live shows. And thank you so much, as always, to the people here at Headstuffed, Alan and Paddy, and to Jamie, my producer, for continuing to do this, to edit this podcast for me. I love doing it so much, and I hope you enjoy listening to it. And I will see you all next time around the fireside. Good night. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.